0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another weeknight, another evening, reflecting into the many different aspects of our Christian and Catholic faith. Uh, And tonight, Wednesday night, we are about Pope Francis, and uh, I'm going to reflect upon Pope Francis with uh, Chris Seibert, teacher over at Notre Dame School tonight. So Chris, it is good to have you with me tonight. It's good to be back, Joe, and congratulations on the new format. Yeah. Notre Dame is being represented this week. I had uh, the principal on Monday, so... Go Huskies. Uh, yeah. So, Chris, I when when I was putting these weeknights together, I thought, what are the topics that are most interesting? And certainly, right now, not only within Catholic circles, but certainly worldwide, Pope Francis is is a high priority to talk about. And I think as we talk about him, it's really important to get to know him and who he is. Uh, And and we've decided to take up his first document to be able to do that. Uh, Because in his first document, uh, titled The Joy of the Gospel, he really allows us to get to know him in his words and who he is calling us to be. Uh, This is uh, exciting. Uh, I'm certainly getting a lot of questions about Pope Francis and and uh, yeah, there's some answers. And uh, so this is why we've taken time out for this half hour. So, with that, Chris, what I'd like to do by way of opening is touch upon uh, something that has been brought to my attention uh, that I read <laughs> and subsequently talked about with uh, people who have asked me questions about it. And that's an article that was written, put together by Rolling Stone. On the cover of the Rolling Stone was Pope Francis. You know, looking like a rock star, (laughs) right? What was interesting about the article was not uh, so much what was said about Pope Francis uh, as much as what was said about Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, right? Quite honestly, not only did they spend less time talking about Pope Francis, but in the time that they talked about Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, they were just picking him apart, you know it was a very negative article a lot of which was untrue i have no idea uh, who the resources were but what i found really interesting was some of the other drive by media that have portrayed pope francis as this caricature to kind of fit their uh, political narrative uh, they were defending pope benedict the 16th because mm-hmm. it was it was just so over the top and mm-hmm. some of the language was so strong so what i thought we could do just briefly here is to show the continuity that exists between Pope Francis and the previous two popes, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and uh, Blessed John Paul II. And, you know, Chris, I think the best way of doing this is putting these popes within the context of the virtues that were pronouncements to their pontificate and what they meant for their uh, papacy. So what do I mean? Well, let us go to John Paul II, okay, in, in his election. Very early on, he was calling for this coraggio, this courage. Uh, what ultimately became a banner for his pontificate was this moral virtue of hope, right? We, we have the great work by George Weigel, and he, he writes this great work about his life, titled Witness to Hope. Of course, the interview that was done uh, of, of John Paul II was titled Crossing the Threshold of Hope. So hope became a banner for John Paul II's pontificate. I mean, what is hope? Hope is the desire to live for the kingdom of God with the confident assurance of that which is yet to come, the heavenly Jerusalem. Hope sees the potential of the yet unseen. Hope became the pronounced moral virtue of his pontificate insofar as it really laid the groundwork for what the church is doing today in the new evangelization. Now, certainly in saying all of this about John Paul II, it is to say that he embodied the other moral virtues of faith and love. But when you go back into history and you look at him, you definitely see this virtue of Hope as a towering virtue that truly, truly became a a mark of his time as Pope. I know, Chris, you had a personal experience. Amen to that. Yes. (laughs) With Uh, with John Paul. At a
1: a World Youth Day, which was profoundly impactful in my own life. Yeah. There was a tangible sense in Mile High Stadium when I was there, Joe, of anticipation. Mm -hmm. This, What is
0: coming to us here? It was very... um, Tangible, you know, and that word anticipation is very fitting to this uh, virtue of hope. Then we had Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, who essentially gives us new insights into faith. Now, why is this relevant in history? Well, you know, his election was all but synchronized with the rise of the staunch new atheism which was accelerated by the figures of Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and others, where they were going from one college and university to the next, debating all of these professors and theologians and philosophers. This man comes along, and he gives us new and wonderful insights into this virtue of faith. And certainly, his papacy can be marked by what some have called the hermeneutic of faith, That is, how we use faith to interpret the world. And then Pope Francis. Pope Francis, who clearly gives us uh, a new uh, breath of what love is all about. One that is marked by this poverty, by this being poor in God, in both the material and spiritual realm. Now it is to say, as I noted with John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, as he pronounced faith and as that moral virtue became a banner of his pontificate, certainly he embodied hope and love, and similarly to Pope Francis. While love is, is really what he continues to focus on, he, like the other popes, embodied the other moral virtues of faith, and hope. My point is this, in the end, Chris, that while all of these popes are saintly, and John Paul II, now blessed John Paul II, soon to be Saint John Paul II, uh, are in fact saintly men, their uh, papacies can be marked by these moral virtues. John Paul II, hope, Pope Benedict, faith, and Pope Francis, love. And there's something else when we put these popes into history. I think it's important to note this. Look at John Paul II, a man of great charism, a man of drama. Before he was a priest, a bishop, and pope, he was poet, writer, and artist. We had the rise of uh, cable television, you know, EWTN. So we were able to make ourselves more familiar with this man through cable television. And so in the stream of history, God is the Lord of history. He would give us this man, John Paul II, and draw us deeper into this great virtue. And what, what, what can we say about Bennett XVI within the context of history? Well, how about the internet? We had so much more access than ever before to the writings of any pope. Because of the internet, everything that Pope Benedict was saying and doing was being recorded. And his writing, so lucid, so easy to understand. It makes sense to me, ultimately, because of the gift that he gave us in his uh, clarity. Many have regarded Pope Benedict XVI as one of the great theologians of the 20th century and into the 21st century. And then how about Pope Francis? Well, it has been noted that uh, no one in the whole world has a following like he does as far as Twitter goes. So social media. Indeed, he, he is a darling of social media and God uses that. When you start to put these popes within the context of what they stood for in history, we can better understand what God is doing that in the late 70s, we needed this man, John Paul II, because the foundation needed to be laid, Chris, for that anticipation, mm-hmm. for what is coming in the new evangelization of the church. And of course, Benedict XVI and faith, at a time when we were thinking critically about faith. He gave us the year of faith, and wonderfully so, as Pope Francis finished Pope Benedict's document on faith, do we have a new focus on love, this pronouncement of love. Mm -hmm. And so before we try to put Pope Francis up as this figure who is a break from the past, which he is not, must understand, once again, the current of history from which God gives us these wonderful men. Yeah. for such a time as this,
1: right? Uh, each time that these men have been uh, elected, they were bringing their charism to that particular time and place. And something that jumps out at me, Joe, is is you know, Francis has this hands-on approach to things that has endeared himself to so many people, and God is using that now, you know, um, through the social media. He's like a, he's like a, he's a darling, right, of yeah. the social media. For whatever reason, you know, God has his purpose, um, but I know that for me, in teaching 8th graders, I find myself having to remind them often that Pope Francis isn't something, you know, new, like a, a new style of music or yeah, a new style yeah, of, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's not the, you know, the Argentinian invasion, you, yeah. know, to, <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah. know, like the British invasion was. It's This is a continuity, uh, and it's hard to get them to see that because... It is. It's, it's being flooded in, uh, in our society that this is something so totally new.
0: Um, and so, as we talk about the darling nature of Pope Francis, it would be right to go into the, the document itself and kind of review, to, uh, review some of the things we talked about last week, uh, specifically to the title of the document, The Joy of the Gospel. Certainly uh, a wonderful spiritual fruit that Pope Francis embodies, once again, uh, what is joy? You know, Chris, joy is simply the grace of God living within us that is just spilling over. In fact, if you go into the Greek, joy and grace have the same root, the same essence, the same thing, the very gift of God, the very life of God. And when we live in God, it just spills over. And it leads, as Pope Francis begins to talk about it in the document, it leads to this new encounter. You're drawn to joy. It's something different. And again, why Pope Francis in 2014? Because, Chris, we live in a time where there's more despair than than we have seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Suicide rates going through the roofs. I mean, we need joy more than than we could ever imagine. And so, we have the gift of this man, and really the gift of the church to say, let's start looking at what this spiritual fruit is, joy, which is simply God dwelling within. And, and that gift that dwells within us, wanting to burst forth, shoot forth. And it does so how? Enthusiasm, ardor, fervor, zeal, you know, the word enthusiasm in the Greek, and theos Chris, is uh, to bear God within wow. itself. So, when we are enthusiastic about God, yeah, that makes sense. Because ultimately, God is wanting to burst forth. Hmm. We can only have this joy if we are living in God. This isn't something we can just wake up, you know, each and every morning and say, okay, I'm going to be joyful. No, we need to draw into the mystery of God, allow God to fill us up, and yeah.
1: Hence, the, hence the, uh, the amount of despair in the world today, because so many are trying to do it without God. I mean, the, it, the two cannot exist apart from one another.
0: Yeah. We are to live in the gospel for the gospel. Chris, as we were talking a bit before, I had asked for you to read uh, just a few sentences from paragraph 10 in the document, because for Pope Francis, uh, this is a very important piece into why we're we're not the people of joy that we need to be. Right.
1: So this is from
0: The Joy of the Gospel. Uh,
1: The Gospel offers us the chance to live life on a higher plane, but with no less intensity. Life grows by being given away and it weakens in isolation and comfort. Indeed, those who enjoy life most are those who leave security on the shore and become excited by the mission of communicating life to others. Amen.
0: Is that, well, that is one of my favorite quotes in the whole document <laughs> to leave security, material security on the shore. Yeah. You know, abandon all for the sake of Christ. What is he talking about? Well, less is more. Less is more. And what you feed grows. If you are spending more time concerned about material comfort, security, what is going to happen over time, Chris, is we're going to de-emphasize spiritual security and comfort. And This is just what happens. It's the natural law. Mm-hmm. And What Pope Francis was really trying to highlight early on in this document is, yeah, material goods are fine, but we need that cardinal virtue of temperance. And we need to understand that the more time we spend with God, the more time we're going to want to spend with God. Mm -hmm. It just feeds on itself. It expands. It grows. And this is at the heart of what Pope Francis is wanting to get at. And he poses a question for us, generally speaking. Is the task of evangelization the source of our personal fulfillment? He uses the word fulfillment, Chris, and it's, it's provocative. It's challenging. I'm going to leave material comfort and security at the shores and start to evangelize. I can only be fulfilled then. Yeah, really? Is that true? Yes, that is true. So we need to ask ourselves that question Is the task of evangelization the source of our personal fulfillment? Is it? And that's interesting,
1: because that's countercultural. And here I am connecting, you know, Rolling Stone has always been known as the countercultural magazine. They're providing a medium for someone who's countercultural in a way so uh, diametrically opposed to where they're trying to present him. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, You know, this what he's calling us to is very much against the the stream of the society we're living in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so the question is, are we going to examine this in our lives? Are we going to say, all right, I'm going to change. We're on the the eve of of Lent here, Chris, at least we're a week away, close to, yeah, a week from today, uh, Ash Wednesday. And so... The season of Lent is always about the challenge. is always about stepping up in the spiritual life. Yes, giving up things, but also doing things. Where sacrifice is at the heart of it. So this question is very pertinent to uh, this season that we are about to embark on, upon, Lent. <laughs> if evangelization is at the heart of my life, then yeah. I understand there are sacrifices that are to be made because ultimately I cannot exist for other if I exist for myself. Who are we? Why do we do what we do? You know, the great old Latin battle cry, motus operandi. Why do we do what we do? What operates our motives? Again, a very challenging question that Pope Francis gives us. Again, we want Pope Francis over here um, this nice caricature that <laughs> we put him there so as to fit our narrative, our lifestyle. We can't do that. He's not that. He is a man who challenges. He is a man who wears the smile because it is who he is, and he evangelizes in that smile. But when you really begin to encounter who he is as a person and what he has to say, oh, really? Wow. Wow. His words, you know, he says, he says, the true evangelizer is not one who looks like he's always coming home from a funeral. That was a great line. Why are we so sad? Yes, I mean, I, you know, I have lost loved ones, Chris. You have lost loved ones in your life. There is a time uh, for for tears, but there is also a time for that great. Spiritual fruit of joy. And that time is now. Is now. He really opened up the document with a beautiful line. (laughs) Renew today, right now, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, you will not have the joy that God longs to give you. And what a challenge, again, in a world today that is so burdensome because of all of our responsibilities.
1: Joe, I've got to maybe interject a a basketball analogy here because that's what keeps coming to mind. But um, I coached the ninth grade freshman boys over at PV High School. And when we play as individuals, we turn in on ourselves. And there is a game being played, but there's no joy in it. We played our last game on Friday. And I'm going to tell you about some infectious joy that I saw on the court. I had five kids. Well, really, 14 freshman boys, who were playing the game with an unbridled joy and a selflessness. Mm-hmm. And that infectious enthusiasm was like a wave coming over all of us. We got to see what is possible when we put all of these pieces together. And most importantly, we do it for each other, for the other. Yeah. You know, outward reaching as opposed to a selfishness, which turns in on itself. Pope Francis would have enjoyed watching us play yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, Chris... There is a natural outgrowth to unselfishness, yeah. and that is a sense of uh, joy. Yeah. It really is. It's just, it caters to it. Mm-hmm. It really does. So yeah, the basketball analogy is really necessary for us to grab hold of what we are talking about. Because it breaks through the sense of unselfishness, that, that is. Breaks mm-hmm. through the dull categories. Yes. Pope Francis used that word, you know, joy, God wants you today, right now, and he does so because he needs you to break through the dull categories in your life, is how he put it. And ultimately, this begins to open us up to the mission of the church, the mission to bring people to God, to summon man into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So how do we do this? But by encountering the Holy Spirit. Pope Francis says that uh, Christ is eternally new. I love that. Christ is eternally new. He says, I will be with you always. And how? Because he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, mindful that our work is always God's work, we are drawn into this daily renewal to be in a living relationship with God in and through the Holy Spirit, Chris. The wonderful passage I'm thinking of comes from Colossians 3.10, put on the cloth of Christ. The Greek rendering suggests something like that of putting on clothes each and every day. Of course you're going to put on clothes each and every day. Well, God wants us to see the importance of putting on the garment of virtue each and every day because it is the Holy Spirit who makes us new. Remember, you can go all the way back to into into Genesis, Chris, you know, where the Holy Spirit is hovering, Right? Creating nothing into being, chaos into the cosmos, remembering that cosmos is a word that means beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. He transforms, he makes new. We have to always keep in mind that without the Holy Spirit, we can't do this. Joy, we're going to miss it. And so it really becomes a centerpiece for this work of Pope Francis. To see, yes, that the Holy Spirit is the protagonist of our mission to evangelize the people of God. And once we can, uh, once we understand this and appreciate this for what it is, we desire it. This brings us back a little bit to John Paul 2. That hope, and I don't know if we typically think about hope in this way, but it really is that moral virtue, that theological virtue of desire, where we see, again, the potential of the yet unseen. And we, we, we want to do what, what God wants us to do. We see as God sees. Yeah. And that's the exciting thing. Uh,
1: a prayer that I know from way back somewhere uh, mentions in it, once you have the Holy Spirit, you have everything. It dispels all demons. It dispels all uh, morbid fascination that we're caught up in. It dispels all sluggishness and, yeah. and dullness. I love that.
0: The, the dullness, it sharpens everything. Everything is crystal clear. It is the Holy Spirit, Chris, that awakens us from our dormancy, our complacency. You know, we need to wake up and to breathe the air of the Holy Spirit Uh, This is is what makes all things new. And another thing I read
1: recently, Joe, is um, you know, when we're not called to be just nice people, we're not called to just be moral people. We're called to have a radical relationship Mm -hmm. with Christ. And that really struck a chord with me. And I tried to share that with my own children that night. Uh, And they might have thought, hey, well, what happened to dad? But it's more than just being nice and. Mm -hmm.
0: Doing the right things, it is a personal
1: transformation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. and in kind of a, a kind of a closing reflection to that, Chris. You know, the word "radical," mm-hmm. in its Latin uh, root, means well, root. Mm. It's a fascinating truth. We're, we're going to go into uh, the world of landscaping here. Well, what makes grass turn more green? What makes grass turn more green? Well, sulfite, nitrogen what it does is it shocks the blade of grass to its original identity Mm. and it becomes the green that it ought to be. So when we are renewed in God, the Holy Spirit shocks us to our core, Mm. to our original vocation, to our original being, to our original calling, that we might become the person that we're called to be. So when Pope Francis says, (laughs) my gosh, God asks everything from us because he offers us everything to us. And I'll close with that. I love that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now, and will be forever. Amen. And God bless you. You've been
1: listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at jholjmj at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to The Seeds of Truth on KKXX.